Attention small business owners, aisle seven special coming your way. It's a blue light special, if you will. We are offering a shout out to our small business supporters. Head on over to patreon.com slash the Spitfire podcast and sign up for our $10 a month package for us to promote your business and website. It's the tiniest thing you're ever going to spend. In fact, it's cheaper than a Facebook ad. You're going to be able to get in front of all of these amazing listeners that are already fired up about small businesses and creative entrepreneurs. So head on over to patreon.com slash the Spitfire podcast and sign up for the small business shout out. Uncovering your truth and fire one conversation at a time. This is the Spitfire podcast. The Spitfire Podcast is brought to you by The Spitfire Coach, a subsidiary of Lauren Lamoney Coaching, LLC. If you'd like more information about business coaching or how to get the passion back in your profession, go to laurenlamoney.com or thespitfirecoach.com. Hey guys, it's your host, Lauren Lamoney, The Spitfire Coach. I'm coming to you every week, bringing you stories of creative entrepreneurs passionate professionals and their journey along the way. I would love it if you could give us a review on iTunes, well, Apple Podcasts, or however you listen to podcasts. Head on over to spitfirepodcast.com. Subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your Uber driver, tell anyone that matters, and you keep being awesome. What do you know about SEO? If you're like me, not a whole lot, but you think that you're in a good place with your web marketing. I'm talking to Rebecca Gill, self-professed Spitfire, and when you hear her story, you will agree with her and with me. She is amazing. We get to the nitty-gritty of all of those click funnels and lead pages and what she really thinks about it, what I think about it, and what the key to successful online marketing is. We talk all of the amazing resources that she has, her tips, her tricks, the do's and don'ts, but what do you need to know in order to make your online business a success? Join me today in episode 19 with Rebecca Gill. Welcome everyone to another amazing episode of this, our podcast. Yes, I know I'm biased, but my guests are rock stars and this guest today is no exception. She is Rebecca Gill from Web Savvy Marketing. We're talking SEO, but we're going to go deeper than that. We're going to get to know the story of her SEO. Uh, what are those tags and keywords and phrases that, that she's used to really propel herself into this marketing world um, that's beyond my knowledge and I think beyond a lot of people's knowledge, but she's got a really interesting story. She is a self-professed Spitfire, which is what I like best. So Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I'm going to get right to it because I saw your bio and I was like, wow, that that is powerful. So I, I just want to know like your origin story. What makes Rebecca tick? Uh, my origin story is honestly not what most people know about me on the internet. On the online, they know me as the educator, the you know the the business owner, and things like that. But my origin story is grew up in northern Michigan, a super small town of like 2,000 people. Emancipated um, myself from my parents at age 11 and moved up north so I could be around my extended family. Uh, became a ward of the state. Moved in eventually with my grandparents who finished raising me until I went off to college at 18 and then, you know, worked my way through companies and eventually found my way as an entre or an accidental entrepreneur 
in 2009 in the heart of the recession, and I started Web Savvy Marketing, um, not really by choice, but just by necessity, and I've been doing it ever since, and I love being an entrepreneur. I love being an educator of SEO and just you know, really using the internet to help people. That's awesome. The internet is, is a magical place. It's also a dark place for some people. But <laughs> that is true. It, it, it's, it's a web a web of whatever you want to make it, however you spin it. But how did you accidentally become an entrepreneur? So I am a type 1 diabetic. I found out when I was pregnant with my second child. And I was so overwhelmed and stressed by just the emotional environment of the company that I worked in. And I had loved this company for years and years and years. I'd worked for them, but just things had shifted um, with staffing and, you know, I, I let up their marketing, but I was so distraught that I literally gave myself three days worth of insulin one night and landed myself in the ER. And I didn't do that by choice. It was just, I was distracted because I was upset Landed myself in the ER for eight hours um, while they tried to stabilize me. Finally went home. Took me about a week on the couch to recover from that incident because it was definitely traumatic on my body. Mm-hmm. And once I did, my husband looked at me and he goes, you're done. And I go, what do you mean I'm done? And he said, you can't keep doing this. That's not a healthy environment. He's like, I know you've worked with him for a really long time. He goes, but you can't do it. It's, it's really hampering you. And you just had a life and death experience because of it you need to quit. And I'm like, it's the heart of the recession. We're in Michigan and you work in automotive. We don't know if you're going to have a job tomorrow, which was mm-hmm. really the state of the economy. And he said, I don't care. Your your health is more important. So I quit. And um, gosh, this is making me emotional telling the story for some reason. It normally doesn't. So I quit and I, you know, I started the company and my husband said, how are you going to find clients? And I said, well, I'm going to do what I know. I know how to blog. I know how to optimize it for SEO. And I'm going to use social media to, you know, try to network and not spammy network, but just get my name out there. And and that's what I did. I had um, clients come in right away from my old industry who knew what I did um, for the company I had worked for because I had been competing with like SAP and Microsoft and SEO and doing very, very well. So as soon as they saw I was independent, they wanted to hire me and for engagements. And that's how I really launched the company, stayed alive. I got back to my six figure salary within like six months um, and you know, it's been now it's like nine years later and I'm still, you know, going strong. Um, but again, it was an accidental um, mishap that kind of found me here. But I'm definitely glad I, it did because it's been a it's been good for me. It's been good for my family. And it's I feel like I've helped a lot of people along the way. That's awesome. So it, it's interesting that it wasn't you getting into the ER and you having this wake up of I've got to do something different. It was your husband saying, whoa, 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 <laughs> lady. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, and he doesn't do that. He's, he's, he knows I'm an independent person. He knows I'm really strong-willed. I, you know, it's just, that's from my upbringing. Um, and he knows I'm like a, you know, a, a, I'm self-sufficient and I will, I was a survivor and he's like, no, we're done. He's like, I, he just, you can't do it anymore. And he yeah. was right. It was yeah. the right decision. Yeah. It was interesting because if you have that background of being a survivor and being scrappy and just pushing through, like you'll just keep taking and taking it. But sometimes the people that are closest to us will let us go as far as we think we can go. And then they'll be like, no, this is too much. Which the funny thing is, is I emancipated myself from my parents at like age 11. 
right? And for good reason, I did it, but I should have known to walk away and I didn't. And I, I, you know, I, I think it was just the fear of the economy at the time because yeah. I would look through LinkedIn and there were no jobs available at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and like the job boards are just because of the area that I live in. So fear is a scary thing. Yeah. So what, what do you think the fear was rooted in? Um, I've always had a concern for being able to have food in a warm place to live. And it hasn't, you know, and I'm like in my mid forties and I would tell you it's been in the last probably five years that I don't have that concern anymore, but because growing up poor and uh, kind of bouncing around that just gets innate in you. And so that was always my fear. So I was just going to take it right. And yeah. most of my jobs, I'm just going to take it because I fear not having that ability to feed myself, which is just silly. I mean, I was married, I got, you know, it's just, it's, it's silly. But I think that um, some things that get rooted in you as a child are really hard to break even over after decades. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I work with a lot of clients and, you know, who are business owners and that scarcity mentality that gets established in them from their parents' story, from their own story um, of what they witnessed. It's so powerful and it takes a lot of work to move through it. It does. <laughs> Without question. I feel like I'm finally through that part though. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I mean, I'm, I'm still working through it. I mean, I've got, I've got my own issues around finances and things like that. Um, and I think just being real and being able to have a conversation like this and hopefully this inspires someone else to look at how they view money and, and abundance and, and their own worth um, to push through it. So I, I think I, I'm really happy that you share this story because I think we have this tendency, especially online of creating this very pristine image and everything's great and look how successful I am. And nobody really knows the, the, the origin of where you came from unless we have conversations like this. Yes. And most people don't ask, you know, they're like, what are you working on right now? What are you doing? How much money do you make? I mean, weird questions like that, but I always, when I meet somebody at a conference or an event and I have an interest in them, I do 20 questions mm -hmm. and I ask, I'm like, may I do 20 questions with you? And they say, they must look at me funny and go, okay. And then I start asking them, about their origins, because I don't want to just know what they're working on. I want to know what makes them tick and I want yeah. to know where they came from and, you know, things like that, because that helps me really um, better connect with them. Gotcha. So who would you say your ideal client is now working with? Um, my ideal client is someone who wants to dig in with me and wants to learn along the way. You know, I have like I do consulting projects with people that are like a couple, you know, two, three months of SEO work or even website design. But then I also do a lot of training masterminds and courses and, you know, webinars and things like that. But from a cult consulting perspective, I want someone who's just going to dig in with me and really have a thirst for knowledge because I want to teach them along the way. I want to empower them and provide sustainable value well after I'm gone. Um, and I, I, and I think, you know, that's just, it's part of who I am. And I get really frustrated when people aren't buying into that. And mm -hmm. I usually avoid them as clients because I know I'm going to keep pushing them to learn. <laughs> and if they don't want to do it, it's, you know, it just, it ends up falling apart. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I noticed that people will initially come to me as a business coach and they're like, I just need to work on these tactics to be successful. And I'm like, no, we need to go through the coaching process because there's clearly something that's holding you back from being able to either delegate, delegate these or learn these things. So what do you think it is that prevents people from having that thirst for knowledge or wanting to dig in with you? Um, for my, well, so SEO has got a really bad rap and it's because the industry as a whole has had a lot of people in it who um, jump in with with little knowledge, call themselves an expert 
um, take money and don't actually do anything. Mm -hmm. And so they've, they've gotten business owners into the concept that you don't need to know what they're doing. Just give them the money and things will magically, you know, work and, and improve your ranking. But that's not how it works. You know, I mean, uh, you, you the, the, the business owner or the marketer, they know their target demographic and who they are serving and how they can help them. And they have to work in tandem with the SEO consultant to help make that happen and bridge that gap and, you know, bring it all together. Um, and but because of the way SEO has been presented in the past and and it's been very slimy, um, you know, people are used to that and that's what they expect. And when you come with an alternate approach that says, no, this we're a partner in this, you know, I'm your technology partner, but we got to work together to really serve your target demographic. It's new to people. It's scary. And they just a lot of them don't want to go down that path. Yeah, well, let's let's unveil what SEO is for people who have no idea what acronym we've been referring to. <laughs> so SEO means search engine optimization. It is basically making incremental changes to your website, your content um, to better rank in like Google or Bing. Um, there is a formula to it. It's it is like a bit of um, of creativity and science mixed together. Um, but and it's I am a big believer that anybody can learn SEO, which is why I produce online courses for it. Uh, it's just a matter of whether you like it or not. Right. I fell in love with it because I realized I could change things. Mm. You know, I could be that little David going after Goliath and I could win. You know, I could beat him in search. And, you know, but I also like to help people and I want to provide value. And so for me, that's a route to provide value. Very cool. So what would you say is is the common misconception about SEO? Um, it's easy. It's cheap. The intern or the nephew can do it. I mean, I've been doing it for 15 years straight in real world experience, and I have 20 years of sales and marketing experience. It isn't something you can hand over to the intern. You can hand it over to a staff member or an employee if they have adequate training. Mm -hmm. You can do it yourself if you have adequate training. But it really, um, it's just, it's not something that everybody can do. Um, and therefore it is a skill set, you know, um, it's a skill set, but that, but it can be learned. And I, you know, and I think that that's where, uh, people get a little confused and I see large organizations like publicly held organizations, not see the importance of it. And then I see even mid market companies literally handed over to the intern that they've hired for the summer, which to me, that's the source of of revenue and the, you know, the beginning of your lead funnel and your sales funnel. And it blows my mind. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about lead funnels and click funnels and all that. So I, I have been dabbling around with it and I will tell you that when I get an email from somebody that I know that I'm in their funnel, it skeeves me out. So <laughs> I'm just like, this is the most impersonal interaction I've ever had and I have zero value that I'm getting from you. And in fact, it makes me not want to do business with them. So I'm, I'm curious what your take is on it. So I do have some funnels, but I don't have um, a lot of automated funnels, right? I do mm -hmm. like I do free webinars that are for, for an hour in SEO. And that was um, Wednesday of this week. You know, afterwards, you got a thank you email for um, registering or attending the video recording and then a coupon code to get one of my upcoming summits for SEO at a discount. Right. Mm -hmm. I like that approach because I've provided them value. They've, you know, opted in because they know they're going to get value. And then I do like the but it's not, you know, super, super automated. It's just more of a, I would call it a small funnel. 
I have a larger, you know, more active funnel where if someone downloads a free ebook, then they get a follow-up email again, offering them a coupon and things like that. But I agree with you. I hate when I ask for one little thing or something, and then I'm put into this huge Janic funnel that peppers me every day with communication that I didn't really ask for. Right. <laughs> that drives me crazy. And I just, and even if it's somebody really well-known and respected and that does provide value, I can't manage that daily outreach to me. Um, it, cause it, cause you do feel like a number, like it's a numbers game and, and you, you know, they don't really care about you, the person they care about you, the subscriber. Yeah. The, the dollars and cents of it. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's interesting. So I'm, I'm part of this bigger coaching, uh, Facebook group. There's probably about 5,000, uh, coaches who are certified in the same way. And the amount of people pushing their product in a very like, Hey, this is free guys. Come on over to my webinar. Come on over and do this. And I'm not saying that's what you do at all. Cause it sounds like you are stand up about what you're offering, but then you get, you get peppered. And I see so many people falling into this trap of, I just need to get a, a click funnel set up, or I just need to get these lead pages and then everything's happening. But that's not what it sounds like you did in order to generate your six figure business at all. No, no. I mean, you know, the beginning was really high quality blogging and, you know, really putting that out there. And now I do a lot of webinars. So like I, last year in 2017, I did monthly webinars for a partner called iThemes. Mm -hmm. um, they were free and it was great value to the iThemes community, but most of those had no pitches whatsoever, no follow up from me. It was providing value, building up that credibility. And then once I had that credibility, then I started to make offers of, you know, premium courses and things like that. But I think you have to build up that credibility and that trust factor. And you actually have to provide tangible value because if you don't, I mean, all you are is just some other Joe on the Internet pushing your snake oil. Yeah. And that's what I always feel like with those Facebook ads that pop up trying to get you in the funnel. It just drives me crazy. Yeah. I mean, I put Facebook ads because I'm like, I'm actually doing this for free, like, because I think it's valuable, <laughs> but, you, but you get lumped into it. So mm -hmm. how long do you think it takes someone on average to build credibility in an industry? I think it would vary by the industry, um, but I'll tell you, you know, when I started to do training and doing those webinars and launching my courses and things like that. It took me a good six months to start to really see traction with it. And then, and I didn't even notice that I was doing it. It wasn't like, and I hate to admit this, but it wasn't a conscious effort on my part. Mm. I just was trying to help people and, and I think do the right thing. But then after a year in, I realized I had a little posse on the internet and a following. <laughs> and I, you know, and it really surprised me. I kind of looked back and I'm like, wow. How'd this happen? You know, one of my, my business friends, they're like, you've been providing value to people for free for over a year. That's how that happened. But I think it, you know, does take months. It's not a overnight thing and you have to really be vested in it and consistent. You know, I have a whole webinar schedule set up um, this year already for both um, free training and, and um, premium, you know, offerings. And you have to have that consistency and a, a value, true value. I think to really make it happen. So how do you do your, your yearly planning? When does that happen? Um, I actually did it in January. Um, I, sometimes I try to do it in December, but it just was too crazy. So I, I do it in January and I really, you know, for me, because SEO changes so much, I have, you have to, um, you can only plan so far out. It's like, what is really happening in SEO? What's been going on? And then I start, um, 
you know, doing, I, I, like I planned every other month, free webinars. And then between them, I do master paid mastermind sessions for six weeks and then like premium, um, training events. Um, but you know, it's just, it's really what is going to provide value. And before I even did that, I went to our, I have a private, um, SEO Facebook group called SEO Launchpad. I went to this community of 1500 people and I said, how can I help you this year? Mm-hmm. Right. What do you want to know? Where do you feel like you're just not really strong in SEO? What questions do you have? And I use their input to build up the training schedule. Very cool. Do you do you listen to Gary Vaynerchuk at all? I do not know. OK, because exactly what you're talking about is what he he talks about. So he's very scrappy. He's very much involved in in digital marketing and things like that. And he's like, stop making it about making the quick buck and start making it about providing really valuable content. Cause it, cause it just, it flourishes. It's like, so in SEO, people always trace backlinks, mm-hmm. you know, to get that, that Holy grail of SEO because we know it influences rank and people, there's always people um, and the majority of them chasing it. Right. And trying to get it to the fastest way. And I've always said, I don't chase backlinks and I'm not going to tell you to do it. Just fricking create something good, yeah. you know, be out there, give like give free training, show up and speak at a conference, go to a meetup. I mean, like I created, you know, free ebooks. And guess what? I got a lot of really good inbound links to my courses and my ebooks by just providing value to people. And and again, trying to do good. I mean, it's just it's it's funny how and I think that is, you know, you asked what were the misperceptions about SEO. SEO isn't just technology. SEO is just traditional marketing, but transferring that onto the web. Interesting. And so then it goes back to the core principles of knowing your brand and your message and your tone and, and your customers. Yes. Yeah. Because it all comes back to the the, the customer. And, um, you know, and it's funny because people will want to like jump into the end portion of SEO. And it's like, no, it's not what it's about. You have to start <laughs> with your, you know, who who are you? What do you do? Who do you serve? And how do you actually help them? What are their problems? We need to know all that before we can start building an SEO strategy and a plan. Yeah. Well, and that's so interesting because it, it seems like it it almost triggers this immediate gratification that people you know, I just take a 30 minute course or I just sign up for this and I'm going to make six figures tomorrow. I see so much of that on, online on YouTube and beyond. Um, so how long should people expect to really um, be able to get their hands around this and to start making some positive change in their business? I think you start if you really do SEO correctly, right, with a solid plan, it takes you three months to get it off the ground. By the time you do research, strategy, planning, you start actually write content and get it published. It takes you about six months to really start to see change. And if you're consistent and you continue on with your plan, you will see substantial change in a year. But again, you know, people want that quick fix because that's what they promise. And if you think to the think about the emails that the spam emails you get from people pitching you SEO, that's not what they pitch. They Mm -hmm. pitch you, you know, a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars a month and it's just magic's gonna appear. But that's not really SEO doesn't like grow up out of the ground magically because you put some you know, sprinkled water on it. Oh <laughs> man. <it's> <laughs> I know, I know it's actually work. Oh, the W word. It's the four letter word. That's awesome. So if people wanted to work with you, what is a typical typical engagement like? Um, It depends on whether they want it done for them or they want to do it themselves. Um, You know, most people will join my SEO mastermind, which I do for six weeks and we go through my course material and then 
have a group session um, with interaction. And I love doing that because, because you just, I can see the learning in their faces mm-hmm. and the excitement. So t- that, that just fuels me, you know, it makes me want to continue to, to help and do it. Um, if it's, if it's actually, they don't want to do it, then, you know, they request a proposal. We do a call and, you know, we get into a very solid project plan, um, you know, with tasks and owners and, and calendars and things like that. And then we have like a three month engagement. And if they want to continue with me, we do. I have had client, I have clients on retainer with me since 2011, but I also encourage people not to, because I want them to be autonomous and sustainable on their own and come to me only when they need it. Launch. Because I think that that's, it's best for them long-term. Yeah. Launch them from the nest. Fly little birdies. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and come back to mama when you need it. Or if, you know, if, or if an employee quits and mama, mama needs to come in and take care of you for six months, I'm happy to do that. But I also just want them to be able to fly. Yeah. That's awesome. So where do you think your passion and fire for doing this comes from? Um, I would tell you my grandmother because she, you know, she just, she was a, it's funny because all my high school friends thought she was like the biggest cream puff and so sweet. I'm like, oh, heck no. You never saw grandma at home, you know, who raised me because she taught me to work hard and she taught me to help people. Um, and because that's what she did. You know, I mean, she ran to the day that she died. And that's just been part of um, what's been ingrained in me in my later years in my childhood. So I don't know anything else. And that's just what I want to, you know, I want to continue that with other people. And, you know, it's by nature that fuels me and that becomes my passion. Awesome. Go granny. I, I had an amazing grandma too. She's still around, but she has Alzheimer's, but she's the one who taught me how to crochet at six, which actually oh, wow. sparked my entrepreneurial fire and got me making hats. Yeah. I say that everything good in me was, was placed there by my grandmother without doubt. That's awesome. Go grandma. <laughs> we had, we had another guest on who had, who had a powerhouse grandma too. So that's, that's amazing. We got to We got to have more like grandma days. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that that, that older generation is just so influential with the young. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and then they can, they, they've already been there, done that. So they know what mistakes not to make. <laughs> yeah. And I think the thing that I love the most growing up is that she didn't mince words with me. Mm-hmm. If she was mad at one of her 25 grandchildren, she told me it and she told me why. And, you know, if she thought I was being selfish, she told me to knock it off. I mean, and I love that. And even though it's very matter of fact, it was uh, it was transitional for me. It really helped me prepare myself for adulthood and being on my own and being, you know, scrapping that spitfire because she was a spitfire. Yeah, that's awesome. Usually a spitfire comes from another spitfire. There's usually some <laughs> flame that gets passed on. <laughs> That's where my flame came from. For awesome. Sure. What would you say uh, is your superpower? Um, g- grace and forgiveness. Tell and I know more. that probably sounds funny, but uh, I have just from my childhood, I have an amazing ability to give grace for, to people for their faults and forgive them for it and move on. Um, I might be done with somebody and I might just walk away. But as I do, I'm for, truly forgiving you and just knowing that you're not good in my life but I don't carry it with me. And I think that that's done well for my personal life and it's done really well for my business um, because it's just, and I, I, I always think that I don't have a lot of empathy, mm-hmm. but I do give grace. <laughs> and I do Interesting. Forgive. Interesting. I know it, that's conflicting statement. I, um, and I don't know if it's just cause I want more empathy, you know, than I, than I really have. Um, but I, it, you know, especially with working with 
you know, in our industry, you everybody's remote. You have a remote team. Um, they a lot of them in the tech world like to have little side projects. And, you know, some of them have ADHD. Some of them got they just you know, they've got um, their past alcoholics and and understanding that with people and knowing what makes them tick and what are their superpowers and what makes them happy and pushing them into that route for you, you know, when they're in your organization. Um, and I think that comes back to like, for me, that grace of, I know that you have ADHD. I know I have to follow up with you 600 times, but you're, you have superpowers when you, when you get the things done. Um, and for I, like from a work perspective, that's been really good for me. I think that is empathy though. Maybe, maybe I have more than I think. <laughs> I think that's, that's absolutely empathy. Sympathy is feeling bad for someone, but empathy yeah. is just acknowledging someone for where they are. Yes, which I try to do because I know I have my own faults. Like I'm OCD, like truly OCD. Um, and I, that's my fault. And I try not to inflict it on others. Um, you know, so I, and I know that that's my thing. So I know other people have their own thing and, you know, just trying to understand it and work with it and help them work around it, you know, so they can really amplify what they're good at. I think it's important. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, on the flip side, what is your kryptonite? Um, that I'm OCD and I'm a get her done girl because I get really annoyed when other people don't seem to get it done. Which that's where like it comes back to me trying to have grace and making sure I focus on that um, because I have high expectations, which is why like I've never partnered with somebody else and you know merged companies because I never feel like someone can live up to that get or done attitude that I have and I do think that that's a that's a fault of mine. It, it true. I mean it helps with with like pushing out things from a business standpoint, but I think it's also definitely a fault that needs to get managed. Hmm. Interesting. So I see the solution as, as something that's actually your superpower that you give to others, but you may not be giving to yourself. <laughs> that is an excellent point. Thank you. <laughs> Usually what we do for others, we suck at doing for ourselves. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I think my other kryptonite is, I, and I've been told this many times professionally and personally, is that I don't ask for help. Uh -huh. I went to a mastermind in Cabo. It's called Cabo Press, and I've gone every year but once. And at the very first Cabo Press, we were sitting, you know, it was only like 12 people that, that year. We were sitting around, and someone said to me something. They're like, well, you don't, you shouldn't be such a control freak. You need to ask, you need to start asking for help more. And I looked at him, and I said, I'm not a control freak. I don't know how to ask for help because I've never had anyone to turn to. Mm. You know, because my grandma died when I was 18. I'm like, I don't, I haven't had people to turn to. It's not, you know, that's not it's not that I don't want to, it's just, I've been brought up to not have that available to me. Mm -hmm. And some other, you know, business people there, they looked at me with such genuine, you know, genuineness in them. And they're like, but you have us ask mm -hmm. for help. We want to help you. And they were right. Now they're like business partners. And I literally have seen them in a business event, almost like broke down with tears mm -hmm. because to me, that was so instrumental for me. And it was instrumental for the business because you really do need to know what you're good at and what, what your superpowers are. And when it's not your superpowers, outsource it. Find a partner that you can work with. You know, you can either refer people over or, or ask for help. And, um, and, and I've worked on that. And like that moment at Cabo Press, like five years ago, was a game changer for me, even yeah. though I didn't just cry in public. <laughs> oh, I've been there, done that. I did it on Friday. Um, <laughs> I have no problem being, uh, being emotional in public. Um, for better or for worse.
So what is next for you now that you, you've dealt with the scarcity um, around, around your fears, you're asking for help. What, what's your big, hairy, audacious goal? Oh, golly. You know, I think it's just to continue to um, keep the business focused on things that I'm passionate about, because when I do, um, that's when we're when we do best. And, you know, I, I, I got tripped up a couple of years ago because I kept thinking that I had to continue to grow the business because mm-hmm. that's what's in the world around me. And it, and it you know, took me a minute to realize, no, I don't. I don't need to grow revenue. I don't need to grow staff. I need to do what we're good at, what makes me happy, what, you know, is good for our staff and let the rest go. And it was like a pivot point for me. And I read, there's a book I read called Pivot and that really helped mm-hmm. that, you know, at life at, at different areas in your life, you do pivot. It's just a natural occurrence because your objectives shift. And my objectives are work-life balance and being able to spend time with my family and not compromise with nights and weekends. And so, you know, that's, that's what's next. We are, I'm, we are um, building a house in northern Michigan. I'm going back to like where I grew up, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit away from it. And we're going to a slower lifestyle uh, with a farm so I can take that next, you know, journey in my life and pivot some. I'm still going to work. I'm still going to work as much as I do, but I'm going to be more meaningful in the downtime. Good for you. So if someone came to you and was thinking of starting a business, of, of taking that leap, what piece of advice would you give them? I actually gave this advice um, two years ago at WordCamp Ann Arbor, and I it was someone who was starting up, and I said, don't get pushed into that train of growth and acceleration and staff and employees and payroll and taxes, you know, and all of that receivables and payables. I'm like, continue to focus on what your superpowers and what makes you happy. If that means you have an agency and you have staff and payroll, great but don't feel like you have to. And they looked at me, um, it was a woman named Janelle, and she's like, thank you, because you're the first person that said that to me. She's like, I feel like I have to go on this path. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, no, don't, because I did that path. And I ended up being miserable with it, you know? So, it, you know, it's, it's, it is what makes you, what you know, focus on what makes you happy, what's your passion, what's your superpower, and how that superpower can help others. I think yeah. it, that's what breeds success. That's awesome. So don't make it about anybody else. Don't compare yourself. Don't get should on. Do what you do. Yes. Be you. Yeah. Be you. Be That's... and be the be the best you you can be. Be all you can be. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So if people want to check you out, take a webinar, mastermind class, where should they go? Um, Rebecca Dill, excuse me, Rebecca Gill.com has, um, my event list and links to my other sites. So, um, th- that's like, and I do produce a lot of free content and free webinars, and that would be the way to find them. Um, and then I have my courses, which offer both paid and free courses at DIYSEOcourses.com. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to check it out because I know that my SEO needs some work and we might be talking later. <laughs> But you might be surprised. You might be the DIY kind of girl. I definitely am. Gets it done. Once you take a course that actually teaches you a process, you might be like, I should have been doing this forever ago. Fantastic. Well, I did teach myself podcasting and web editing and photography. So that might be up there. (laughs) You can totally teach yourself SEO. Trust me. To all the DIY people out there, you can do it. You can. You can. Don't let anybody tell you different. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I I am now like revved up about 
SEO and getting more web traffic and not being a creepy salesperson. So Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your knowledge and, and your story with the guests. Um, and I want to I want to hear about your progress on your house and, and your new pivot, your new pivot adventure. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be sharing pictures of some llamas and alpacas online. I love llamas so much. Yes, they're awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. And for all the Spitfires out there, keep being awesome. Look at you. You made it all the way through episode 19 with Rebecca Gill. Kudos to you. And for that, you get some free resources. That's right. Rebecca's put some awesome ebooks and resources together for our listeners at SpitfirePodcast.com. You can check them out now. You can check them out later. You can share them with your friends. But now you will have the key to be an awesome SEO Spitfire. So share it. Make sure you go to iTunes. Go to the Apple Podcast Store and leave us a review. We love five stars. Spread the word. And you keep being awesome.
Thanks so much for checking out episode 20 with Patricia Brooks. If you'd like to pick up a copy, go to Amazon. We're going to have a link to it for Growing Bold. She's up to big stuff. I can't wait to see what she's up to next. And if you haven't, go over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the Spitfire Podcast, or check us out at spitfirepodcast.com. Leave us a review. We would love to hear how we're doing. And of course, we love those five stars. And you keep being awesome.